1: what do you know we have a k-state win to talk about today here on the lock it up with kurtz podcast welcome in i'm excited and fired up for this one it's going to be more fun than the last couple have been as k-state has finally won a big 12 game yeah in thrilling fashion 25 to 24 over the texas tech red raiders i am john kurtz joined by aaron lockett former k-state wide receiver as always here on the lock it up with kurtz podcast it was a wild game k-state fell behind 14 to nothing it looked like they were dead to rights that was before the offense had even touched the ball. But these guys found a way, and Felix Enidike Uzama winds up being the hero with a giant momentum-turning play. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to set up what's coming up now where K-State potentially can be getting on a run with a struggling TCU team coming in and then the Kansas Jayhawks after that. But I do need to remind you first, if you're hitting up the celebratory drinks, which you should be, okay, and if you're headed back out to Bill Snyder Family Stadium, which you also should be on Saturday, make sure and bring the 360 vodka, whatever it is that you guys want. This tailgate time, still fairly early, right? So if you're trying to do screwdrivers, whatever it is, they hit, they can hit you up with all kinds of cocktail creations. Craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions, 360 Vodka will hook you up. And I need to mention this as well. If you have not tried 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery and you want to get in on this, you're going to have the opportunity to do so on Friday and Saturday in Manhattan if you're coming up to the game. And you'll have a chance to meet us, which what could possibly <laughs> be better than that? Uh, We're going to be doing a couple of live shows, one on Friday night. So Friday at Rockin' K's, it's right across the street uh, from Bill Snyder Family Stadium, just across Kimball, attached to the uh, foundation building, which is a really cool spot. But 7 to 9 on Friday, we're doing a a live show starting at 8, but at 7 o'clock, you can hang out as well. Uh, The KC Catbackers will be there. It's free. you will have food and drink provided. Again, I mentioned you'll probably be able to try some of that 360 vodka Uh, potentially there as well. So it's going to be a really good time. We're going to have some K-State athletes there uh, and doing a live podcast. Bethany Bowman from Sports in Kansas will be joining me for that. So really looking forward to that. And then on Saturday, you get Aaron and I for just basically an extended version of the Lock It Up with (laughs) podcast. We'll be doing some pregame. We've got 90 minutes. We'll have, again, some guests on hand for that as well. And that starts at 1230. So 1230 to 2 if you're going to be hanging out. Uh, It's at the K-Club tailgate. Big weekend K-Club with a lot of former athletes back around. It's going to be awesome, and I am so looking forward to that, uh, to get out among the fans and get ready to tailgate for K-State and TCU and a little more juice in everybody's step now that the Wildcats have won. Aaron, I, I really feel like that's what this is, man. I mean, it was not pretty, and the start is certainly not something that you want. 12 penalties is not something that you want, but at the end of the day, this team just so desperately, desperately needed a win, and they got it. And they're now four and three. And that is just where I want to start. Like before we break anything down, this team, you could just feel I could certainly feel being around it with the media stuff throughout the week that they they knew it was kind of a must win game and just desperately needed a W. And I think this can like release some pressure that they finally got that.
2: Now, I agree. It was a must win by far. And it was just nice to see a victory. Um, they put it all on the line. A lot of adversary during the game. Um, some mistakes, but overall, I mean, they found a way to win, and that was what, what was important. So I I think going into this game, they started to realize that they weren't converting third downs. They weren't winning field position. They were losing some tight games, and just going down to Lubbock was an opportunity to change the game for them, and they actually did that. So happy to see them get a win. Um, like I said, blood, sweat, and tears, but they got it done. I think K-State Nation was behind them and excited to see them playing going forward now.
1: Yeah, and I'll be honest, you know, K-State Nation, just judging the pulse of everybody on Twitter, <laughs> pretty frustrated there at the beginning of the oh, game. Yeah. because I mean, it's 14 to nothing before you can blink. And this is a team that has struggled with slow starts. The Iowa State game before that, I mean, it's 10 to nothing. Brees Hall hits you up for a 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. This time it took Texas Tech two plays to go 75 yards. not just one, but then you fumble the kickoff, and then they score on a fourth and goal right after it. And it was not an easy scenario that K-State put themselves in. but man these kids and these guys like with the weight of the world on their shoulders they found a way to really get it turned around and, and i mean aaron when you're when you're a player and you're going through that like th- these guys aren't dumb they know what the talk and the narrative kind of is around the team right even during the week in the build up to the game we had chris Klein mentioning like hey we need to be more positive and took some flack for basically saying that the media needed to be more positive and the fans needed to be more positive so when you have all that surrounding you, like it, it really is hard to stay positive and keep your head in it when it's like a here-we-go-again kind of a thing, falling behind 14 to nothing. By the way, to a Texas Tech team that, yes, I know, did just fire their coach after this loss, but they were 5-2. and two. I mean, it's not like Texas Tech was a, a team that wasn't used to winning games this year, too. So I, I just I want to emphasize like how much credit they deserve for getting, getting that turned around.
2: Yeah. You know, some moments are bigger than others as players, and I think it was a gut-check moment down 14-0, Um, you know, early on in, in the game and just finding themselves like behind the eight ball, trying to figure out what do we need to do? We're on the road. We need to make sure we can score. And so it was good to see the team take a step back and say, "Okay, let's refocus. Let's let's get our offense out there and let's start leaning on the people that we believe can get us there. And so, you know, I want to commend Deuce. I think Deuce came in and played an excellent game. I think Deuce had an opportunity to really make some plays and he took advantage of that. I think Skyler started to ride Deuce a little bit, made some good throws. Um, the, the, the receiver started to come on. I was happy to see that. You know, we talked about that. We, I wanted to see Weber. I wanted to see How. I wanted to see Brooks. Um, you know, I wanted to see all the guys go out there and start making plays. And they made some crucial third down plays. And so, for the most part, I think we took the jab early on from Texas Tech, found our groove, and started to find ourselves uh, getting back into the game.
1: Yeah, and if we're going to talk about this game, Aaron, I mean, the thing that we have to talk about is Felix Enidike Uzama, who had, I mean, the play of the game, and to me, the play of the season so far, frankly, because, yes, K-State won three games at the beginning of the year, and it was great to beat Stanford. The Nevada win was really nice, particularly without Skyler Thompson, but the season was like teetering on the brink, and if you lose this game, I think things could be going off the rails for the rest of the year, and you're talking about just fighting and scrapping to even have a chance at bowl eligibility. Now you keep alive the possibility of a seven or an eight win season with how much of a role you can get on here starting with this game. And I mean it's it's 24 to 10. So K-State did kind of weather the storm after it's 10 to nothing, but still 24 to 10 at halftime. Yeah. And the offense comes out immediately in the third quarter and does the three and out thing again. I mean, I that I tweeted third quarter three and out, like that's been an issue. The offense has really had troubles on those first drives of the third quarter when you feel like, okay, the offense gets the ball to start the second half. It just hasn't been there. And you're thinking, like, man, again here we go again but you have ty zentner uh, booming a 63 yard punt that pins deep which (laughs) absolutely deserves to get mentioned and i have more praise for him coming for some other moves that he made in the game as well but man felix andy tk uzama just blasts through an offensive lineman and gets a safety tackles the running back in the end zone and that was the turning point k-state had juice they had life they went down and scored a touchdown and from then on k-state absolutely controlled the game you just sense like it was one of those plays that not only just the significance of where it was at in the game and what it did to the score making it 24 to 12 but it was more just like watching that play in the way that it happened it was like man i mean that was one hell of a play like you don't see a guy do that and it was interesting listening to him talk after the game about how that was all like film study they knew that in that formation with that kind of a play the offensive line wasn't going to pay that much attention he came to the inside. I mean, he broke it all down like that That had been coached right. into him. They saw it on film, and it all came to fruition with a guy who's potentially an NFL player. I mean, I just I cannot say enough good things about, one, how impressive the play was individually, and just, two, how significant it was to the game in K-State's season.
2: Yeah, true definition of game changer. That play was significant not only for this game, but as you just mentioned, for their season if you think about it though going into this game we always talked about we needed somebody to step up somebody to dominate somebody to be that guy and and that play right there uh, solidified his position on this team right now for all the plays he's made up to this date and so we were looking for somebody to be the hero he was the hero you take it how it comes not only did he get a stop but he also gave us points gave us the ball back it was just one of those moments to where you felt the shift take place and then texas tech was just trying to hold on from there but you know, I was, I was impressed to see the play. It was it was actually a one-on-one play, right? And so you look for one of those plays where, you know, did he get help from teammates? He took it upon himself and, and became a game changer. And so I was happy to see that. Um, I expect more of that from more people on the team, right? That's just one of those situations where, hey, if you can dominate your position, let's start dominating. Let's start getting on a roll. And so uh, hopefully that's a starter for K-State around some of those game-changing plays.
1: Yeah, and I think it set the tone for the defense, really, too, which, I mean, from 24 to 10 at the half, they didn't give up a point after that, which, you know, I mean, it just seemed to ignite the defense, and that's another area of the team that really needed to turn itself around after three pretty bad games. I mean, I think it's fair to say, like, they had really struggled over the last three weeks, particularly against the the quarterbacks that they went up against, and they made plays. They found a way to get an interception. They got a safety. It just lit a spark under everybody. I mean, back when you were playing, like, is that – is that something that can really permeate a sideline? Like, what is that effect like when somebody steps up and makes an incredible individual play? How much can that really carry over?
2: Oh, yeah, I think the offense is always motivated by the defense. Anytime they can hurry up and get off the field and give us field position, that's something that you take advantage of. And so whether it's a turnover, uh, whether it's a big-time return, whatever it is, the offensive job is to come out there and strike early and strike often. And so um, the defense historically had a little bit of trouble getting off on third downs. We had mentioned that over the last couple of games, but – You know, I think they put their foot in the ground here in the second half and started to to give us some field position. And so offensively, all you start doing is is leaning on your guys, right? And so, like you said, we we found Knowles a couple of times. You find Brooks. um, And then you start giving Deuce the ball. And Deuce is doing what he does best, right? Get him in the open space. We talked about that. um, And let him work his magic. And that's exactly what he's doing. And so I think we found our groove. We started to see hot pockets in the last couple of games of things working but not all the way together. And so I think this game in the second half, we started to see what it really looks like when it jails. And so, as you just mentioned, coming from 24-10, to come all the way back to make it 25-24 is, is something they should really be proud of.
1: Yeah, I mean, offensively, I thought Skylar Thompson played one of his better games too. Uh, certainly, if you look at the final stat line, it comes across that way as very impressive. He was 24-30 for 296 yards. He had a touchdown. No interceptions. He wasn't turning the ball over. And, and even early, I mean, those numbers could have been better. There were a couple of drops on that first drive of the game where he threw a great ball to Deuce. Granted, tough catch. Um, but he got his hands on it, wasn't able to pull it in. And then on like third and 14, he throws on the run just a strike to Landry Weber. That ball gets dropped. So but it just felt like he was pretty dialed in. There was maybe a drive or two in the first half where it, it faltered a little bit, may have missed an open Daniel matterbebe for a touchdown, but um the rest of the game, pretty good. And he was distributing the ball. I mean, Aaron, you're a former wide receiver. So I I assume you're cool with the backs and the running backs getting involved and helping out. And they, they completed a pass to 11 players. And like, when you think about the K-State offense, you just, you don't think about one being an offense. that's going to be hitting 300 yards passing basically game in game out. But I mean, they've shown the ability to do that multiple times this year. And you certainly don't think of them being like spread it around to 11 different receivers and, backs, whoever it's going to be. I mean, that that part, I was astonished to look at the stat sheet after the game and be like, man, 11 different players. That That is pretty crazy yeah. and unique from the K-State offense.
2: Well, one of the things that they're known for, you know, this year is a rotation, right? And so whether it's it's Warner out there or Landry or all the other receivers, tight ends, running backs, I mean, they have enough people playing out there to where you have an opportunity to spread the ball around. And so historically, it's always been two or three receivers that's just been your, your mainstay. And so it's, it's good to see them get a rotation and get some more – talent out there on the field overall um but but ultimately you know one thing i'm looking at is every time skyler gets hit i'm just hoping he gets up right just because of the history there and so i saw a couple of late hits where i can see him barking at the refs and he's like give me a chance yeah. give me a break you know and so you know that's one of the things we are gonna have to look after because i i imagine a lot of teams will start taking i'm not going to call them cheap shots but they're going to take any chance they can to knock him down knowing that he may be fragile getting back up and so I think the line would take that as a challenge. They'll continue to block for him. Um, like I said, he's moving around pretty well. Um, once again, he made the throws that we expected him to make. If you look at the OU game, and you look at his last game at Texas Tech, I mean, when he throws the ball, he's given us a chance to really be successful. And so pretty careful with the ball. You know, he had a high throw to nose a couple of games ago that got intercepted, but overall he's, he's been a good st- steward of the ball. And so I expect to see, you know, him get more comfortable as he gets out there. Like I said, we've got to remember, though, we keep saying this, though, but he's he's coming off injury. Last year, he was coming off injury, and so he, he's only had a couple of games where he felt like himself out there, and so, you know, those are the games where we, we've seen him really gel together, but once again, I'm, I'm a big fan of leaning on the run game when we need to, right? Turn around and hand that ball off. Let's get three to four yards. Let's make it third and three, and then we can take some deep shots, and so I think we're starting to I say hit our groove, right, because over the last three or four games, we've seen enough plays where we know we can put it together. It's just a matter of can we score enough points and give our defense a chance to get off the field?
1: I think it's a great point about Skyler and getting more comfortable. And I I heard Chris Kleiman say that at his press conference uh, on Tuesday this week, you know, kind of the same deal. Like, Hey, I mean, remember guys, like he is still coming back and you can see, I mean, he's still. I don't think he's really confident running the ball. You know, what I mean, no. I mean they run him a little bit, but it it doesn't look like he has the same level of athleticism and just one cut and go. You know, kind of like he had before. So I don't. I don't think that part of his game is there as much. But if you're throwing for three hundred yards, right. and you have Fawn to hand the ball off to. It it doesn't matter as much. And so I think we are seeing that effect. And you know, to that point. If you would have told me before the game, Texas Tech had a pretty bad rush defense. They got absolutely obliterated, for instance, by TCU a couple of weeks ago. And if you would have told me in case they'd only rush for 81 yards, I would have said, well, there's no way they're winning this game. (laughs) They did because they're airing it out for almost 300 yards, which goes against the grain and against what you think of with the Courtney Messingham offense and and what it is that they have. Now, if there's a bone to pick here, it's the penalties and the sloppiness because – 12 penalties for 93 yards is just way, way, way too much. It's funny, Aaron. I actually remember I went and looked it up in, in an old media guide not that long ago, but I always talk about when I was a kid, I remember like the the late 90s, early 2000s, oh. K-State teams that that Snyder had. Like you guys were so good and so talented, penalized very often, but there was the talent to make up for it, right? So yeah. you had that margin for error. This team does not have that margin for error with, the talent gap. And so you can't be putting together 12 penalty, 93 yard games and expect to consistently win. So, I mean, they are going to have to get
2: that, that part cleaned up. No, you're right. I mean, the depth is not there, you know, this year overall. So you've got to be more error free. You can't make those silly mistakes. And so you've got to take ownership as a player to make sure you're not the guy making a mistake. And if everybody can do that, then I think that limits the penalties overall for the whole team. But, but ultimately, there's talent there there's enough talent that we we're, we're, uh, can lean on and so like I said you know leaning on Deuce and leaning on Urban, I think if we can just figure out how to utilize those guys in space um, that really gives us a chance I like turning around and handing the ball off to Urban as he get he hits that hole hard right and so before you know it he's got six he's got seven yards and that just gives us a little bit more plays that we can run on second and third or, or third and three and so because of that um, I think that's going to be something that we lean on later on down the line. But obviously, as you just mentioned, if you look at the next games coming up, we got TCU and we got KU, right? There's an opportunity where we can really turn this thing around to a three-game winning streak and really get not only in bold position, but actually have a, a decent season after faltering those three games in the Big 12. And I see, I think that's what's important for us is how can we turn this around now and make this a winning streak going forward.
1: Yeah, and definitely, definitely want to touch on that here in just a second because I'm 100% with you. I think the the outlook of the season just changed very drastically by simply having that win, and that's why. Although there are other frustrations there, you, you have to take a step back. I think and kind of look at the bigger picture here. But you brought up you brought up Deuce and like how they're using him. I wanted to bring attention to that go ahead touchdown that they had. Oh in, yeah, <laughs> the play that I mean, it's Deuce just leaking out of the backfield, and he's so effective in doing that. But I I found it really fascinating to hear after the game that apparently that was a play they they tried to go to a couple times during the game and had to check out of it because they they knew it was open. The players had been telling Cordy Messingham, like, this is open, this is open. But it had to be a play where they ran it with Texas Tech not bringing too much pressure because Skyler was going to have to get rid of it pretty quick. If so, it took some time to develop this, basically. And they finally got that look. They finally – Skyler had checked out of it a couple of times before because he saw the pressure. They finally got to it, and bam, it works like a charm. And it it seems kind of silly, you know, especially a Texas Tech team that got beat by Deuce last year. I mean, it was that little like angle route that he ran yep. out of the backfield in the Texas Tech game at home last year. that was the the backbreaking game-winning play. Seems a little silly for them to let Deuce get get that wide open. But I mean, I guess maybe that's why Matt Wells got fired after the game. Well. Um, but anyway, I, I thought it was it was a great play. It was such a K-State staple kind of a play, getting the ball to Deuce like that.
2: You know, that play is harder to cover than you think. I mean, if, even if you look at last night, the Seahawks game, if you look at Alvin Kamara, they simply ran everybody go and had Kamara lined up with the linebacker, and it was a choice route. He either runs that Texas arrow or he runs a flat route. It's almost impossible to defend when you have an athlete of that caliber. And so they did the same thing with Deuce, right? Just clear it out, let Deuce get one-on-one with the linebacker, and that's a hard play to make. It just really is. I mean, the footwork, the shiftiness, you know, everybody leans on his size being to his advantage. I, I understand that piece of it. And so because of that, we've got to do more of that, whether they're screens, uh, pitch routes, whatever it is, just to be able to get the ball in his hands because he is magnificent in space. Um, his motor keeps moving. He keeps, he keeps going forward. It's Just one of those things that we have on our side right now. And so I think he's getting confidence. He's playing lights out. Um, I think Irvin's playing lights out for as much as he can touch the ball. And so offensively, I think we're doing well. You know, like I said, yep. defensively, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the DBs. I thought I thought uh, Julius played well. I thought Echo played well. Um, big interception by Yeast. By um, you know, I think Jay Mack played decent. Um, you know, as physical as he is, um, looking for him to continue to make some more plays. But overall, uh, Reggie played well in the slot. I mean, I think the guys, Wayne Jones, I think they all made some plays. Um, It was a bend, don't break after they gave up that first uh, reverse uh, for a touchdown, right? I mean, though that can't happen, right? We've got to figure out a way to, to get that guy down. But overall, um, they made some big plays in the second half. that kept us going.
1: Yeah, and those are guys that I just think, like, needed confidence, really needed confidence. And I think that's the kind of game and the kind of effort that can really give them that. They had a lot of it early in the year. Remember, we talked after the Sanford game, like, they're just flying around. They look so fast. And that kind of dwindled throughout the year. So I think they just needed that kind of a game to really get back into it and get back out of their heads a little bit, which, hey, I mean, that happens to, to everybody when you start going through losing streaks. So we have the offense. I am with you. I think there's a lot to be very optimistic about on the offensive side of the ball and how things are working now that Skyler's back and healthy. We at least now have seen a half of good football <laughs> 12 game from the defense. And that's against, I mean, Texas Tech's offense is not bad. I mean, Matt Wells is not getting fired because of the offense. He's getting fired because of the defense in particular um, for, for Texas Tech. And then special teams, I mean, Malik Knowles, the, the fumble on the kickoff was bad. You don't want to see that happen. But, um, man, I mean, typically we think of the return game and, like, return touchdowns being where K-State really excels in special teams. But – Today it was it was the guy handling kickoff duties and punting that was like a game changer. I mean, Ty Zentner, we we mentioned the 63 yard punt that set up the safety earlier in the game. But one of the key plays to me, Aaron, was it was really two, it was back to back. It was K-State scores to go up 25 to 24. And then you have the two point conversion that does not get converted. So now all of a sudden, I mean, you're in danger. A field goal wins the game or or at least puts Texas Tech in front. And then you get a, a penalty, a 15-yard penalty from Malik Knowles after the play. So not only do you not get the two-point conversion, you have a 15-yard penalty. And you're thinking, man, where is this kick going from? Like, th- this is this is not going to be good if they have great field position already. You only have to go 20, 30 yards to get into field goal range. And Ty Zentner blasts a kick. They cover the heck out of it. And then you find out there's a five-yard penalty for somebody running off sides. And he has to do it again. And he kicked it even further the second time. And again, they covered it. like that. That, to me, is, is one of the most unheralded plays that you'll think about from this game. But it was so massively important to not, for momentum's sake and just for practicality's sake, give Texas Tech good field position after what had just happened.
2: No, you're right. And once again, we talk about do what you're good at, right? And so, you know, for Todd, that was an opportunity to go out there and showcase why he's on the field. And so special teams is a big part of Kansas State football, no matter how you look at it. And so, yes. We had the fumble on kickoff return, but there was some excellent punt coverage um, down in the ball or on the one yard line. All of those things um, have helped us with field position. And we always talked about if you're not able to score points and you can stop them from scoring, at least get the field position. And so I think we started to see if you can stop them on the one, we can turn around, you can get a safety. There's all kinds of things that can happen from that. And so um excited to see special teams pick it up as well. Like I said, that was a win that wasn't pretty, but we'll take it. Right. And it's, it's, it was a lot prettier than OU's win, right? They, they, they played KU um, and down 10-0. And so if you watch that game, um, minus a couple of plays, OU didn't play very well at all, right? But once again, a win is a win. They're undefeated and that's all people care about. And so for the most part, as long as it's a W within the win column for us, we'll take it. Um, I think we're putting ourselves, like I said, in, in a winning position now, um, but we gotta run the table to really get some respect in the Big 12 that we've lost early.
1: Yeah, especially a road win and it's, and just a win against a team in that middle of the Big 12. I mean, there's not yeah. a lot that separates most of the teams in the middle of the Big 12. And you're going to take any one of those wins any way you can get them. And to go back now to a point that you made when you kind of zoom out and look big picture now at the season, it's easy to see a path to where all of a sudden you feel way better about where this team and where the program is at. And that is kind of what happened in 2019, where it was three wins, two losses, a couple wins, a couple losses. And now we're seeing that sort of thing potentially on the table here. So K-State has TCU coming in. If you win that game, Kansas is next. And, yes, the the Jayhawks certainly showed some life. I mean, they deserve credit for what they did against Oklahoma, absolutely. Um, But that's a very winnable game in Lawrence. TCU right now is reeling. I mean, they've lost four or five, and they just lost to a 2-4 and West Virginia team. And that was a two and four West Virginia team after they ran the opening kickback for a touchdown. So like TCU against a bad team is up seven to nothing right away, and they just could not do much the rest of the way. Gary Patterson, their head coach, he's been going on media diatribes about columnists telling him he should be fired or that TCU should move on, or complaining about the the fight, they're a little skirmish after the SMU game. It seems like they're very distracted. And they're not a very good team right now. So all of a sudden, you have this opportunity with a home game. I'm sure the crowd will be pretty good once again. I think some of the excitement, at least, is regained back, captured again by the win at Texas Tech. Like, this is a real opportunity here to rip off a couple of wins. And then the team after that, I, mean, I was just talking about West Virginia being two and four. That's who's next on the schedule. So, I mean, you can see six and three pretty easily here. But, obviously, it starts with taking care of business on Saturday against TCU.
2: Yeah, yeah, TCU has a good running back, right? And so. um, 33, he'll run the ball down your throat. Tay Barber's a a nice, speedy guy on the outside that's in the slot. Um, We've got to be careful. You know, like you said, uh, Gary Patterson knows how Kansas State plays football. Obviously, he has ties back to Kansas State, and so this would be a little bit personal for him. Um, If you're not wearing purple on Saturday, I don't know who you're rooting for, but you're not at the right game because they'll be purple crazy. And so just looking forward to us going out there and playing the kind of ball we can. We need to win back home, right? We need to win. In Bill Snyder Stadium that's that's overdue and so looking for the guys to really play lights out come this Saturday
1: yeah you mentioned the key there with TCU they have a they have an explosive offense that it's really driven by the running game Zach Evans uh, was the number one running back in his class actually coming yeah. out of high school like five star really really good player and he's not the only one I mean they're pretty deep stable of backs so that's tipi- typical TCU I mean you think of a stingy defense and really good skill talent on offense Max Duggan's been kind of shaky at quarterback, but really, if you look at his numbers, um, he's actually been pretty productive this year. So their offense has been good. It's their defense that's been a a big issue for them, Um, but a a very, very winnable game and a program that Chris Kleiman has had the number of. And it's been weird. I mean, watching Kleiman go through the first couple of years in the Big 12, he has dominated a lot of teams. And then on the flip side, has been dominated by some. They can't seem to beat West Virginia, but yet – He has beaten TCU and Texas Tech every time he has faced them. So the history at least points toward, okay, K-State should be in pretty good position in this game, at at least against TCU. But, yeah, to me, that's the key. Keep the offense rolling. Keep doing what you've been doing, finding ways to move the ball, which has not really been too much of a problem when they're not turning it over right now. And then the defense is just going to have to worry about not giving up the explosive plays in the running game
2: to, to what TCU is going to bring to town. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. The, the all I'm looking for is for them not to score in the first two plays of the game. Yeah. I think yeah, I think we can't give up a 75-yard run. We can't give up a a 45-yard reverse in the first couple of plays of the game. We need to figure out how to get settled in and then from there I think we've got a good chance to win the game.
1: Yeah, because I mean if I'm TCU, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the shot plays. Oh yeah. Oh the yeah, the early way. home
2: runs, right?
1: Yeah, like why not? I mean, go go take your shot at these guys. They've been struggling in that department, so Uh, Gary Patterson he's a good coach I mean it may be you know I mean that could be a whole other debate is like is it time for TCU to move on from Gary Patterson feels like in some ways their fans view it similarly to Bill Snyder at the end of his run Uh, Bill Snyder 2.0 but he's still a good coach like that's that's still a guy that can can certainly beat you and the Big 12 is just kind of like that right now with some results that you just you can't totally figure out I mean Texas Tech beats West Virginia. TCU smashes Texas Tech. K-State then gets Texas Tech. It's it's kind of all over the place in the middle of the Big 12, and then obviously you have your pack up at the top competing for a Big 12 championship. But, hey, we'll have some fun on Saturday with it. K-State and TCU at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I do want to remind you, if you want to come out and meet us, talk some football with us, listen to an extended pregame show. We'll be doing a 90-minute pregame show from 1230 to 2 at the K-Club tailgate on Saturday. That'll be Aaron and I. Bethany Bowman is going to be hanging out with us as well from Sports in Kansas. We have some special guests lined up. I I can't reveal the totality of that lineup right now, but it should be very, very cool, Uh, something that you'll want to be hanging out for. And I mean, the K-Club tailgate, we're talking about a lot of former athletes that are going to be there as well. Um, So that will be the spot to be on Saturday before K-State and TCU. We'd appreciate it if you show up. And then on Friday, if you're going to be in town on Friday, before the game, which I would imagine a lot of people will be considering it's it's not a late game, right at 2.30, start on Saturday. Uh, come join us at Rockin' K's. It's right across the street from Bill Snyder Family Stadium, just across Kimball. The foundation building, the nice, new, pretty, shiny building that's across from the football stadium. Rockin' K's attached to there. We're going to be hanging out from 7 to 9. We'll do a live show starting at 8. A little more big picture on K-State Athletics, where the state of the program is for all the different sports at k-state but the kc catbackers will be there 360 vodka uh is going to be there it'll be a really good time food and drink provided it's free i should have mentioned that first it's free (laughs) okay you don't need to pay anything to come hang out and talk some football with us would love to see a bunch of you guys there uh hanging out with us so for aaron lockett i am john kurtz aaron i guess i should ask if you have any if you have any final parting words here for the people about k-state tcu or what's going to happen at the tailgate or, or whatever
2: no, just excited for the tailgate. Like I said, get the opportunity to talk to some other student athletes from other sports. I think it's always interesting to see what they have going on as their season gets ready to start as well. Um, from a football standpoint, just looking for us offensively to go out there and score some points. I would love to see a 35- to 40-point game for us. And so hopefully that's on the horizon. Uh, looking forward to those guys continue to play well, and, and let's go out there and get a win.
1: Yep, time to get on a roll here. Time to get on a roll here in case state certainly can. All right, it's going to do it for us here on the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. For Tucker Franklin, behind the scenes, appreciate all of his work. For Aaron Lockett, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. We'll see you on Friday and Saturday in MHN.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping